Welcome to On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. On today's episode, I have screenwriter David Howard. David is best known for his work on the film Galaxy Quest. I was so excited to have David on the podcast. I just wanted to geek out over Galaxy Quest with him. But we also had him on to talk about his new film, Trek, that Austin actually stars in. Uh, so we wanted to bring David over. David doesn't live too far away from Austin, so we sat down at Austin's apartment uh, to be able to talk with David about this upcoming film. Uh, it's not a t- typical type of film that you would see us promoting on here. Uh, some of the elements of the film do address uh, Mormon culture, which of course Austin and I both were raised in, though neither of us you know, subscribe to anything within Mormon culture um, any, anymore, as, as again, we were raised in it, but we both left that lifestyle long, long ago. Uh, but yeah, we wanted to still talk with David about this film. Uh, it looks fantastic. I still have not had a chance to see it yet. It comes out next uh, or in two weeks in Salt Lake City. Uh, so you guys will be able to see that. Austin will be out in Salt Lake for the premiere uh, with David. Uh, so, you know, if you're going to one of those uh, screenings, there's a good chance you'll see one of them. So get out there and see that. And don't don't shy away from this because you hear us mention, you know, that, oh yeah, it does involve Mormonism. It's not a preachy episode or anything like that. You know, Austin and I, like I said, we are not practicing Mormons. It's just something we were raised in. Um, but this is something that, you know, still we wanted to be able to check out. And I, of course, wanted to be able to support Austin's new film. Uh, so, yeah, it, it does have it's a satirical look. So don't don't get scared from it. We also, of course, talk with David about Galaxy Quest, about some of his story um, and, you know, kind of his backstory growing up uh, in Arizona and, you know, bouncing around to various colleges. Uh, yeah, it was really great to hear his story. And, of course, find out how Galaxy Quest came to be. Uh, it was really cool to learn learn some of the backstory there. So, again, if you're in Salt Lake City, uh, Trek is going to premiere the first weekend in April. So make sure you get out to theaters and support that. Support Austin. Support David. Uh, you know, it, I'm really excited to see this film. Um, whenever I finally get a chance, fortunately, a digital screener wasn't available for us. So I still have to see it. But, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to see that very soon here. Uh, this weekend, I am at Paley Fest. Uh, in Los Angeles, uh, really throughout the next week. Uh, today, I actually, I, I just got back from my first coverage. I talked with a bunch of the cast of the Orville over at the Dolby Theater. Uh, such a great cast. I absolutely, I mean, I love the show. It was fantastic to meet all of them. So you'll hear that episode uh, probably in the next couple days. I'm going to get that out really quick here. Uh, later this week, we'll be talking with the cast of The Good Doctor, Mom, Queen Sugar, um, and, and possibly Silicon Valley. So we're still waiting uh, on the confirmation for that. So fingers crossed that we'll be talking with anybody from Silicon Valley. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited, you know, to be participating in Paley Fest. Uh, also, next week, we'll be back at WonderCon in Anaheim. Uh, yeah, a whole, just a whole slew of things that are going on right now. So it's, it's, it's just kind of been a wild ride this month of, uh, this month of March with the Oscars, uh, you know, Austin shows getting released, films coming out. You know, it's, it's just kind of been a whirlwind, but it's exactly how we want it. It's why we're here. It's what we're doing. So, yeah, it's just it's just been awesome, and we could not be more grateful for people listening to the podcast, people that have come out and said hi, followed us on Twitter, you know, and me- mentioned, you know, some of the new projects that we're working on. So thank you for that. Hope you guys really enjoy this episode with David Howard. Make sure you check out his work. If you've never seen Galaxy Quest, what the hell is wrong with you? Get on that. Go see Galaxy Quest as well. Uh, it's it's got to be on Netflix or Hulu or hell go over to amoeba music if you're here in la or you know anybody anywhere that still sells dvds and blu-rays and pick up a copy of it you can even download it on itunes i know it's available there but if you have not watched galaxy quest you need that in your life i promise you you can thank me later and then of course again go see trek if you're in salt lake city and hopefully it'll come uh, to a city near you if you're not in utah and you'll be able to check that out as well so thank you, David Howard, for joining us on this podcast. And thank you, Austin, for getting this set up. Uh, it's always a great time. Hope you guys enjoy this episode with David Howard. See you next week.
now we're officially going. So, so we were totally <laughs> in a conversation. <laughs> no, we were, we were, before we're talking, we turned the mics on. This is the, the golden age yeah, of the television age of the right TV now. now. There's so many good shows, and there's like... I mean, I, it's too many to even keep track yeah. of. You know, I hear about a new show that's, you got to watch this. And I'm like, I haven't even caught up on, I haven't even watched all of Friends. Yeah, yeah I keep driving past all the billboards for love. And I'm just like, I, I need to finish the season, like the series. But I've got all these other things I'm yeah. watching. <laughs> I don't know how you've watched so many. You, you like are caught up on, I feel like, everything. Well, we were talking even before David got here about how I, I manage my time into, like, I need my play time and my TV time. And you have a separate channel in your brain that's, like, you can... That's you true. can Rain Man, you know, like, <laughs> do stuff on your laptop while it's going and still remember and pay attention. I just, if something's on and I'm busy with something else, it's background noise. I can't focus yeah. on what it is. I, uh, I use my elliptical trainer. That's where I watch yeah. my TV. So I get a good, you know, 40 minutes a day of something that I, Th and you know, when I find a new series, it's always so awesome because it's like, oh, okay, I got 13 hours of this. So I don't, before I have to find something else to watch. <laughs> yeah. So I owe my cardio health to the golden age of television. <laughs> Getting gains. Yeah, that, that's yeah. what that's what started helping me though. Is I'd be at the gym and I would be on like the on the bike or something, and I would bring my iPad. Yeah, and I would get onto the Wi-Fi, and then I could just pull up my Hulu yeah, and yeah. catch up on catch Ride up on for anything. Days. Yeah. What was weird though is when I started doing that was when I got uh, one of my jokes on um, the Nightly Show, and I didn't know about it, and I was on the bike, and all of a sudden they said my name, and I was like, oh wait, that's me. Yeah. Why? <laughs> why am I on there? <laughs> And, yeah, and then all of a sudden my Twitter exploded, and I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah. but David was about to impart wisdom on us with the well, we were talking about okay, TV. we were talking about um, uh, like the um the elements that kind of need to be there for like like television is really great, uh, and I think it's really great right now for a couple of reasons. One of those is the fact that there is a as we've moved out a network. There are a lot of things that people can do in television now that they weren't able to exactly. do. Exactly. You know, yep. they yeah. can tell stories that are more interesting. They don't have to hold you for that, you know, 25, 30 minutes and then hope you're going to come back in a week. They can tell a complicated, interesting story and then there, there aren't all the restraints that there used to be. And that reminded me of this uh, article that I read when I was in college. I had a theater history course and they, there was this little essay that we had to read by Albert Camus, and he was talking about theater, and he said, I'm going to paraphrase this badly, so any, I'm sure any academics out there are going to crucify <laughs> me for this, but he said basically there were three golden ages of theater. There were the Greeks, mm -hmm. and then there was uh, the Renaissance, and then there, were, then, then there was the, the early 20th century when Ibsen was writing, and he said you could, you could um, reduce theater into three playwrights uh, that would be... Um, uh, Aeschylus and Shakespeare and Ibsen. And um, what's so interesting about those three times is in each of those times, there's been a, sh a shift going on in the middle of the culture where it, it had been uh, a culture that was, that was pretty devout and had a, a, a center of faith. Uh, you know, like like for the Greeks, it was the belief in the gods. For you know, it was the Catholic Church and, and mm -hmm. the Reformation and all that in yeah. the in the um, in the Renaissance, and then in the early nineteenth, early twentieth century, it was the whole thing with, well, everything went out the window when you had Freud and Darwin and all those guys, and it was moving from um, the culture was moving from a culture of, uh, you know, faith to a culture of humanism where the the value of 
the human being was was increasing and the faith was kind of going down or being modified not, not by making that. Uh, productions that are uh, i guess not necessarily about like higher power well but like it was about the tension of, yeah. you know the conflict that it was, was there it was good, evil. It was, exactly and it was it was, it was, it was the questioning things. of what was right and what was wrong and what was important and 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 it's in this this uh culture of questioning and conflict that you get really great drama because mm-hmm. your people are are they're asking the questions that they haven't dared ask for a long time right and they're starting to explore these things and i think that we we're, we're talking about film yeah. And uh, I really think that in the, the the early '60s, that was the time where that was starting to happen. Because you look at the '50, the transition from the '50s to the '60s, same sort of a deal. There was a really strong status quo. This is the way we're supposed to live. You know, very waspy Anglo-Saxon. Well, right. it's not not right. exclusively, but you know, there's a pretty strong Judeo-Christian Christian influence there in, in the culture. And at that point. In the '60s, they started to question everything, and I think you could find like really cool films that were written back then yeah. about yeah. that. You know, like <laughs> like Doctor Strangelove and a fantastic um, film. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, I don't know if you ever seen uh, the Sweet Smell of Success. That's a really interesting film. With um, I remember seeing it at the library. Yeah, yeah. Well, you should check it out. You should check it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's even old school for me, but um, it's Burt Lancaster and. Uh, uh, Tony Curtis, and it's this really—they're just these really interesting, uh, kind of daring films that they made back then, where they they were kind of edgy in a in a careful way. Yeah. So, anyway, that's the point I was even even about. in TV at that during that time too, where it did exactly. Become, I mean, the exactly. Smothers Brothers is one that comes to yeah. mind, where they were yeah. just like, no, we are not going to abide by. I think it was the Smothers Brothers that were the first to say pregnant on TV. So it was, it was either <laughs> No, they were always tying was... their hands. They were always uh, yeah. reining them in. <laughs> and, yeah. and that was one where people were just like, oh my gosh, you cannot say that on yeah. television. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, 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 that insinuates a woman had relations. And... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, really, yeah, really. Yeah, it was crazy that those type of things, but they did, I mean, so much, whether it was film or television, right, they right. were pushing into the next, they were. The next era. They were. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah, with uh, moving away from moving towards uh, this streaming and away from network and stuff like that, um, it feels like for a while network television had such a, a recipe and a like a cookie cutter form yeah. in a way. It was like this is what needs to happen. It has to hit all these marks and yada yada. To, in order to be on what, our What's crazy network. is Yada Yada was literally one of the marks that one of the shows hit. <laughs> <laughs> Once you hit Yada Yada, yeah. we'll get you a second season. Yeah. But until then, you're just a yeah. nada nada. Uh, yeah. yeah, but the, and then you, among that, you would have a couple breakouts and standouts that kind of went against the grain a little bit. Um, but now with like streaming and, and the way television is, you can get, like you're saying, get away with so much more in a, a TV show with uh, like you, you have these full season character arcs that you couldn't yeah. tell in a movie. It's just right. too, there's too much right. story to tell right. in, a, in, a, in a two and a Well, and what's hours. so interesting is where film used to be the, the medium where they could take those chances mainstream films anyway have got they're the cookie cutter exactly yeah. 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 every marvel, yeah, every marvel film every dc it's, yeah, they're, it's they're, a recipe they're, they're all the same well yeah. i shouldn't say every dc film they're still trying to figure out how to make a good one <laughs> <laughs> nolan's i i yeah. think nolan's are, are good yeah i, I don't classify his, his in with the dc films so okay his, yeah he, his stand aside like, as nolan films yeah. <laughs> yeah. that happened to have batman yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, i've told austin though i i, I think we're going to see a weird 
like circular motion with it all where yeah, you I, have I everybody a, breaking off with all the streaming. Every network has their own yeah. app, their own this, subscribe us, subscribe this. Uh, yeah, eventually someone's going to be like, Cause, well, I brought up the we, point. We, we, we just need to bring all this back into one. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, how no one's going to get any of these apps, and then I feel like network's going to go away completely, and it's going to be everything is streaming, like news channels, yeah. this and that, and you're like, well, actually, it's going to get to that point and then flip around into like... Uh, it may. It, there, well, there may be this um, Darwinian thing happens where, where they'll be be so split off that they realize they can't exist. Yeah, you yeah, know. exactly. And then, C- CBS though has an insane model now with the CBS All Access. At first, I saw that and I was like, "Come on, I'm not going to pay you five bucks to see what like per month to see what I can see for I free. I could just pull up later on." Yeah. But then they put the um, Star Trek Discovery on there and After Trek, and then they released a new comedy, and you can only get them through the app. Plus, you get all their regular programming. And I still haven't spent that five bucks, but I've yeah. heard it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because then that's that's the other thing that we, we talked about is that because um, each of them, they're going to have to find a way to be a little bit cheaper. Otherwise, you can't have Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, HBO, yeah. YouTube, Red, this and that. You can't have all of those because yeah. eventually that's going to be more than what you're paying for cable. So, um, which is why, you know, people are like breaking away from cable because they're like, oh, it's only 10 bucks for Netflix and I have all right. this. But now you're going right. to have to have all of those different things right. and that's going to be more than what it would be to have cable so it's going to flip back around to <laughs> yeah which is why yeah. I have, like i have my hbo my hulu and my netflix and i'm good i'm just like i don't need all the others it's uh, juiceless yeah. to me <laughs> yeah yeah it's interesting F- fx almost has me though they've almost yeah. grabbed me because they have unlimited simpsons at all times yeah they're... even though i own all of them on dvd <laughs> <laughs> I, I can still all that trouble of putting the DVD in the yeah. machine. Oh, man, that'd be terrible. You have to choose. They also haven't released like <laughs> 10 seasons. So yeah. so 10 of those seasons that I don't Yeah, when are they just going to have a Simpsons season <laughs> channel? Or, or yeah, do they? That, that that's what they essentially have? what it is. Like yeah. It's just a full Simpsons, like every single season is in there. And I was just like, mm, this might have me now. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, it's all the other FX programming, so it's always yeah. Sunny, American Horror Story. Do they have all like past shows, like mm-hmm. Sons? Was it Sons? Yeah, on Sons FX? of Anarchy yeah. was on FX. Like that's one really nice thing about what was HBO. That AMC? Is what's that? Was that AMC or was that FX? Sons? Yeah, it wasn't AMC. Okay, then it was FX. I, I, yeah, it was. I'm pretty sure it was FX. Um, oh, what was I? What did I just say? Oh, HBO. They have like because they have so many great series from way back when, you know, and now all those are available again on yeah. HBO. And you don't have to go buy all of I them. I can finally yeah. watch The Wire. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I haven't started it. Uh, uh, that, there's like Band of Brothers, uh, Angels in America, like all those kind of older older shows. Angels in America is a fantastic one. I remember I, watching that in film school. And I was just like, why was I never exposed to this? I know. I've only like seen uh, scenes and read some for like acting classes and whatnot. Because mm-hmm. Tony Kushner's writing is crazy yeah. good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I haven't actually like sat down and watched through the whole thing, but I, I we need should, to. We should go back to New York and go see it now that it's back on Broadway. Is it Nathan Lane, Andrew Garfield? Oh yeah, the Andrew Garfield. Yeah, one. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I really I'm not really an Andrew Garfield fan, but I hear he's really good at it. Yeah, I, as long as he doesn't play it like Peter Parker, I'll be fine. <laughs> 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 I'd be okay with it then. <laughs> yeah. Um, so well, I mean, we 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 went off on we started off with one of our tangents, but I, I should probably welcome David. Oh, joining thank you. us. Yeah, right. I was going to say we need yeah. an introduction, yeah. David yeah. Howard. Yeah, we're we're excited to have you to have you on. So I I've only seen the trailer for Trek. 
Okay. So and and I've loved what I've seen so far. <laughs> this is where David so, and I met. Is on, yeah, that's track. right. Yeah, it was right. on track. We had a great experience. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was. I love that. So, but then as Austin and I were talking about it, somehow I, I chastised Austin. He was like, "I swear I told you this," but then he was like, "Yeah, you wrote Galaxy Quest, yeah. which <laughs> well, is one of my all-time up, favorite you, movies." You brought up Galaxy <laughs> Quest, and I was like, "You know, the writer of that wrote Trek." Yeah. And you were like, you kind of stopped and had that confused look (laughs) what and i was like yeah trek that i shot last year he wrote galaxy quest and you're like oh my gosh yeah i I was immediately like okay we have to have david on because we have to talk galaxy quest with them and i'm intrigued by trek because usually usually a film like trek is not something that would grab me by any way shape or form but then just watching the trailer i was like all right i'm on board with this i like the direction (laughs) this is going like it seems and I, th- I think you even make a joke in the trailer that's something that I've always joked about too with that Trek, for those that don't know, is something that uh, that Mormon teens go on to essentially recreate what the pioneers did going through. So like a uh, reenactment. Yeah. Uh, three day, four, sometimes Yeah, four it's usually day. like over yeah. a weekend yeah. or whatnot. Yeah, they'll, they'll go out, dress up like pioneers. This, this is just to gain respect of you know your pioneer heritage, ancestry, yeah. everyone who's moved out this way and you... You pull hand carts and everything. You have to leave behind all of your your phones. Your you know very contemporary, which is immediately where I would have died on the planes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that, that's heavily like uh, poked at in the movie. Um, but anyways, yeah, yeah. But that's you, what you, you made you made the line in there of Mormon cosplay, and I was just like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember at one point when I was when I was uh, working with Radio from Hell, Richie and I made that joke on air. Oh uh, really? Well, and I, and I mean it's a long-running joke, but like people are always so stunned when they hear it. And they're just like, "Oh, I guess it is." And so when I heard that, yeah. I was like, "Yes, it's bringing, it's being brought to the <laughs> forefront." Because I remember my my dad was getting ready to take a bunch of kids out on a trek, and I made that joke to him, and he did not find it funny in the <laughs> slightest. And I was just like, "Come on, if you can't recognize that's what it is, then." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because we try to do to do. It's funny we didn't the the people who are uh, distributing it are is Excel Entertainment that's owned by Desert Book that's owned mm-hmm. by the church. And um, when we wrote it, it was not going to be a church-sponsored project. It was going to okay. be an independent sort of a thing. So so we were really surprised when they wanted to do it. Uh, the first time I sat down and uh, when Alan Peterson and I met with um, Arthur Van Wagen and the the uh, the boss over at yep. uh, Excel, head man. Yeah, yeah. He said, "Yeah, we want to do this." And I he said he told us he gave us the pitch about how great it was and how much he liked it. We said, "Do you have any questions?" And I said, "Yeah, um, have you read this script? <laughs> is, is this the movie that you really want to make?" And he goes, "Absolutely." And uh, I said, w- "You know, there are things in there that we think need to be there because we want this to be for." Okay, how do I put this in a nice way? You know, it, there there are a lot of LDS films that are. They paint the world in in pretty perfect terms, yeah. And you know we don't go anyplace dark or scary or anything. But but um, it's like you you guys growing up in Salt Lake, you know that there is is the world the, the way we want it to be, and there's the real world that we live in, right? And exactly. th- that's glaringly apparent for young LDS kids who mm-hmm. you know they go to seminary and then they go to high school, and it's like 
heaven and hell, you know? Yeah. I, mean, you know, <laughs> right. you know, I literally, I, I remember. Figuratively. I remember hearing somebody actually liken it to that. <laughs> yeah, when that I was right? in high yeah. school, yeah. yeah. And then there was no. a Beto's on the way across the street. The yes, yeah, there was. Yeah. And I had many spiritual <laughs> revelations. that's where the earth lies. That's where the, the human experience is in all this between heaven and hell is a Beto's. So, so anyway, we wanted to write something that, that LDS kids who were going through that would go, oh, you know what? We haven't seen this. Uh, this is this is the world that I live in, and so it would kind of relate to them in a more realistic way than than some of those other films. Not that that not to diss them or anything, because no, they serve yeah. a purpose and they're affirming and they make you feel good, which is yeah. good. And ours has a certain element of that as well, right. you know. But um, but we just wanted it to be to have a little more of a, and I use this you know with carefully. It's, it's just a, there's a little more secular mm-hmm. material in there. It's it's far more nuanced than uh, I'd say previous Mormon movies um, that I've seen. I've not I'm not seen all of them, uh, but like, yeah, I, I, it's it, the characters and the the setting. It's a very ensemble movie, um, and all the characters have uh, a sense of like nobody's perfect. Nobody's this like one idea of a certain thing. There's kind of a, a complexity i guess to to people rather than like this is the the how we want things to be and how the this is the surface value i guess of life and uh we're gonna go with that and hopefully by the end you know you've learned like your lesson with this movie and what we've talked about but one thing that i always say that i really like about the script is that um it never feels like it's it's trying to like teach or it's trying to tell people like it's not already preaching yeah it doesn't come across like that it's just this is a story and that's what it should be and i think that's where it stands out from from other lds movies is that this is just a story and these are characters that are relatable um who just happen to be lds or not there's some that aren't and uh, they go on this little fun uh mormon uh cultural event and um you know things happen plot lines happen characters develop and then by the end you know it's it's ended and you can think on things for yourself and not yeah. feel like okay so now i need you know that stuff always bothers me i guess yeah. with movies you know yeah. it makes me well people have you know i uh, those people always have the best intentions you know they're yeah, going to oh, do totally, something yeah. that's going to be uh you know affirming and positive but you it can't well, the dilemma is, and we're almost back to the beginning of this conversation. If if you don't really see where things, the questions come from, you can't treat them honestly. Right, you know? right. Mm-hmm. So there has to be a, at least some sort of a sense that that there is a world out there where those things don't exist, and that it affects people, and they they bring that with them into their lives. So it's like if you were to hold up like a a handheld mirror to yourself, and what you would expect is to see your true reflection, which is kind of like what we're going for a trek versus like you hold up the handheld mirror and the picture of you is already like smiling, yeah. like over yeah. the top. You're yeah. like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> What's depending, going on? Depending on what part of Utah you're in, it's yeah. always smiling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now you, you grew up in, in Utah. Is that, is that right? No, I didn't. I, I, I was born in Cedar, born in City. Cedar City. Yeah. But we moved, um, well, we moved here. My my dad was um, he did a lot of things, but uh, uh, eventually he was a school teacher, and he taught at CSU, which is now SUU in Cedar okay. City, um, for a couple of years, and then he then we moved to Arizona. But that was when I was um, eight, so I grew up. Uh, we lived for a couple of years in Tempe, where 
ASU is, and then we moved to Tucson, Arizona, and he taught at the University of Arizona. So I grew up in Arizona, in Tucson, okay. Arizona. Okay. So, and, so does, does Tucson have a have a heavy Mormon culture down there? It's as well? you know, it's like a, it's like most of the West. There are the Mormon Belt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There there are you know a lot of stakes, a lot of wards, and. Um, it was the church was growing a lot and the city was growing a lot so it was like we lived in the same place but like they kept cutting them cutting us off so we went from the seventh ward to the tenth ward to the 14th without moving because <laughs> they, they kept growing um but it was great growing up to me it was a perfect balance because the the the, the difficulty with being lds and living in utah is that everyone well not everyone most most you know the, the majority to, no no well it's, it's well like well, maybe not anymore, but it used to be everyone. The more majority were LDS, yeah. and so you had people who, who had to be there culturally, who didn't want to be there, and so you got this real gray impression of it's what it's supposed odd. to be, you know. But in Arizona, you're far enough away that if if you don't want to participate, you just don't go, and they leave you alone, you know. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> so so either you're in or you're out, and and you know. So there's a certain it's it's easier to see it's easier to choose what you want to be in a situation like that because yeah. it's just not as the, as muddy and gray as as it as it can be yeah you know? it, can get, it can get weird in, in salt lake at times uh, salt lake's actually changed a lot though uh, yeah it, it it's, has it's the yeah. light blue on the map of red it's, yeah it's like yeah. it's very it's changed a lot but uh just the culture of, of utah can be very strange to people who've never been and uh you know because there is this since a lot of people who are like Mormon who live yeah, there, it's kind yeah. of the Vatican of like right, Mormonism. Right, so, yeah, right. Um, and even when you grew up there, if you don't necessarily prescribe to the exact secular motions, you kind of it kind of crushes you a little bit at times. Yeah, but yeah, but you know, I, I just have to say though, it's a really nice place. It oh, it is. You know, and and and, and it's clean and mo- people are mostly friendly and yeah if you don't talk about religion you'll have a great time yeah. you know? <laughs> totally. i love so like it's home and it will always be home yeah. and i love it um it's just it's odd it's like this it, thing it is you, it's it's its own little fall. oddity you know totally yeah uh, so it's do, cr- do cultural you identity feel kind of being in arizona and places like that that when it, when it comes to how you wrote for trek that that's how you were kind of able to bring in that secular nature? i think that helped yeah um well you know i haven't lived there for a long long time and it's interesting because I've lived in Utah as an adult. I, I went to school there. I went to school in Cedar City. And then I went to school at the University of Utah. I've done more school than anyone ever should. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I always find that, that like, my my circumstances always mess with my head. I, I'm much more conservative when I'm in California than I am in And when I'm in Utah, I'm, like, the radical <laughs> guy who wants to burn down, the, you know, something. But out here, I'm much more... You know, I'm, I'm much less. Well, you out here, and I'm not changing all that much. It's just your environment. You respond to your environment, right? You know. So, um, so I've you know I've lived in L.A. 30 years. So that really has informed who I am a lot. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so it all, it yeah, it was all valuable because you get to you you kind of get this kind of you just kind of see it from a bunch of different angles, having lived in and out, and just getting a kind of understanding of how people Where, think. Uh, to rewind a, a bit, I guess, uh, how did like writing come about? How did you... Well, it's funny, you know, I, I was in a grad program, uh, an acting program, because that's what I wanted to do. 
Okay. And I... Um, was that at Cedar or was that at the U? That was at Penn State okay. in the middle. <laughs> uh, so, again, way more school than anyone should. So I was in this graduate acting program, this professional acting program, and I was about a year into that. And I just found myself thinking, you know, I'm really much more interested in what's being said than whether I have to say it, you know? And, I mean, acting is really fun. It's just so... It's so visceral and vital, you know, and so immediate. There's a rush there that you can't get any other way because you're thinking on your feet and you're in the moment all the time. But I just found out, I just realized that I was much better if I could uh, think about it and kind of step back and readjust my, my choices rather than being stuck with what I'd chosen. <laughs> so so that, that uh, just emotionally, that was that was more fun for me, more interesting for me. And, and um, so I, I, that's when my interest in writing kind of took off and I've been doing that ever since I, I can definitely relate to that because I mean that's Austin and I originally met in what was supposed to be an acting class but was not it was, it supposed was voice to be and speech for actors, for actors but I'm pretty sure we were the only actors in it yeah <laughs> because it everyone... was more of an English for a second as a second language class no. <laughs> <laughs> it was like we're gonna learn how to hit T's or like but hey, uh, I yeah. can say mountain now, so <laughs> yeah. you have to think really hard. I do have focus, to think hard. You can do it. I strain a little, but mountain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, people think that's a Utah thing, and it's not. That's a that's a U.S. thing. Yeah. You have to say mountain. mountain. That's yeah, mountain. It, it, people say it out here. People say it all over the place. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's very true. But yeah, it's something that I I no longer necessarily struggle with, but. It was it was through that process. Both of us were kind of going down the acting route. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it started to become self evident to me that maybe acting's not my main focus. I'm not mainly because I would watch Austin act and be like, I can't do that. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it it would be it would just be the whole different ball game. And I would I would come to some of the award banquets and stuff, and I would realize no, I I enjoy creating these so much more than than I do being in front of the camera. Yeah. One thing though I would like to add though is is for the this is for the the writers out there. If you're going to write for the theater or dramatically, you know, then that means film, television, mm-hmm. television, whatever, you should act. Yeah. You should spend some time being in front of an audience and, and knowing what it's like to have to interact and how to play moments and know how to deliver lines and know what to say and what know what not to say yeah. because you can become a much better writer and you understand just the process. Yeah. And if you don't get it, if you don't perform, you know, you never get that. I don't yeah. think. Yeah. There's definitely times when we were filming where I would have a question and be like, so why does this character like, why, why, why do I stop and have to have this conversation? You know, like a simple question like that. Sometimes people don't ask. They're like, why, why did my character exactly. stop and decide to talk to them rather than just keep walking? They could right. just walk right. out the door, but right. instead they right. stopped at the doorway and had to have this conversation. Why? You know, and you can give a, a an actor's writer, writer, actor, however you want to put that response and give like actual uh, reasons and not like, oh, well, it sounded <laughs> Cause like it looks it, better. Yeah, yeah. I wrote it and it just it seemed like there should be a you scene You just have there. to walk out of frame, man. I need the yeah. shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really nice. I guess the same goes for directors as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Tarantino, I, I'm pretty sure it was like uh, everything he learned about writing and directing, he learned from doing acting. Yeah, he was yeah. an actor first. Yeah, what I understand. Yeah, and th- I mean, granted, the little bit of acting that I've done and then try to still do definitely helps. But then even like when I work with Austin on something, when I've showed him scripts in the past, it's good to be able to get where he's really got an actor's perspective. And then it made it where I kept going to Austin, being like, "What are some of the acting books I should be reading so that I could really understand?" Like, yeah. 
What's yeah. the approach? What is this method so that I could develop those characters to be able to not just be words on a paper, but have a reason behind every movement and every word yeah. they were saying. Yeah. That. Yeah. So that, yeah, it's great that you, <laughs> that you made no, that point. That, that, yeah. yeah it's, that's a, it. It's just, it's invaluable. It, it, uh, that's a part of, cause you know, when I write, I'm like, I'm doing the split personality thing where I, what does this guy say? Okay. What does this guy say? And one of the most exciting thing that happens is when one of those guys says something that I, me, the observer writer isn't anticipating. It's like, Oh, Wow, that's a great line because you know it's coming out of <laughs> yeah. this this other person what they really need and what they want and what's motivating them. So it feels it's very organic and and usually when I start you know editing and getting rid of stuff, that's the stuff that stays because that's the that's where the real meat of the scene is. Unpredictability. Yeah, yeah. Those, yeah. Those moments where you... it's like you're improving with yourself and and you know you know when you're improving and and you you, you say that thing or or, or make take some certain action yep. and you know that that's it, oh this was great immediate yeah you this just like changed. you feel it it's yeah like, oh, yeah you just like know I, okay that worked mm-hmm. that's i don't know where we're going yet but that that's it. we're on the way there now. <laughs> yeah how do you like to uh when you're writing and you say i guess how do you go about uh when you when you first have an idea and like oh that could be an interesting storyline it's probably something i would imagine like super basic at first like man walks into bar and like, yeah. you know something like that and then it evolves how do you when how do you start do you start by like writing out segments kind of like little scene heading type things and then eventually branch out from there or do you kind of just start going into it it it, it depends sometimes sometimes i'll just start uh with two guys in a room you know and that's if i have nothing to do they're always the best scenes yeah (laughs) they really are Uh, but then but then and you just go okay what are they talking about where is this leading us um Generally, I don't start there. Generally, I have an idea. This is going to be a story about, this is going to be about a trek. You know, this is going to be, you know, about a a guy who, a a washed up TV science fiction, you know, hero who gets approached by aliens. I know, I know that's (laughs) what it's going to be. And, um, and then I just start, I just study, I'm really a process guy. That's where my theatrical live theater stuff really kicks in because I like to write the scenes. I like to kind of discover who these people are. And write the scenes that I think, that I, that I know, because there are certain things that you know have to happen, you know, or at least you have a sense of that. Like so plot points or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you so you write those scenes, and then and then you go back and go, do I really need this? And, and where does this lead me? Yeah. So it's it's much for me, and and this is not the most effective way. And I know I, I have friends who who they sit down and they start from page one, and they've got it all mapped out in their head, and they just you know they just start. Yeah, they just they just they just go through. Yeah, I don't I don't do that. Um, I'm much more, uh, you know. Let's try this 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 this. Yeah, you know, kind of map it out. See the the skeleton form first, and be like, and then sort of fill it in, and and then oh, you know what? This skeleton, you know, this is the wrong skeleton. We need to fix this and change this so so it can change in the middle. I what I have found though is if if the worst thing I can do is is to decide what the the message of the the piece is if i do that then i start compromising the drama to reach that end mm-hmm. and so and so i i uh i lose like really interesting choices because i'm going oh that's this is really great but that's not what i want this to be so i yeah, it, i edit myself rather than letting the piece go where it, it ought to go yeah i mean the the message or theme means nothing if no one cares about the character exactly right if you yeah yeah you're just undercutting your your yeah. execution 
yeah. Do you do you think one you you mentioned that you kind of edit edit as you go? Do you feel like when writers kind of lose that internal editor, that it kind of cripples the screenplay that they are developing, or does it just make it that much harder, really, and take that much longer for them to really get to their where they want to go? I think. Well, I'm not a fast writer. I, I mean, I, I can write a lot of scenes, but but I throw a lot of junk out, you know. So that that editor is useful in terms of deciding whether this this should be in there. And and you know, one of the hard things about writing is you write really great scenes to go, you know, this is so great, but it's not part of the story. That's the hardest. Yeah. You know, yeah. So they say talk about killing your children. That's yep. what playwrights have to do. Yeah, kill your darling. Yeah. yeah and the director yeah. has to do it in the editing room. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, no, exactly. it was beautiful. The yeah. lighting was hitting this just right, and now we have to cut it. Right. Right. Um, but so I, I, to answer your question, I, I think you always need to have that 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 kind of objective observer editor person who's watching what's going on and making sure that everything's working. So it's not self-indulgent and that it has some sort of a, a, a vision and direction. It has a story that you're, you're trying to tell. But, but within that, uh, you need to, you, you, you got to be able to let this, you know, be quiet, that this voice be quiet so that you can let the, the story go where it wants to go. Because Don't really, before you even start, exactly, right. exactly, exactly. Like throw it on the paper, then maybe let that yeah. observer editor kind of come yeah in start and, start uh, doing look the at the sorting. bigger picture of yeah yeah. As, as I always like to put it, put the mind vomit out there and then, <laughs> then go yeah. back. You can always right, cut really. away. But yeah. Yeah. If you're yeah. And no, one, putting, no one's ever going to see it. Yeah, just throw know? some sawdust on it. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some coffee grinds. That's what we did at the bar. Uh, if someone threw up, they're just like, coffee grinds, throw it up. <laughs> someone yacked. <laughs> so so with the when you were developing Trek, I mean, how did that first kind of come about? Um, okay, that was not my idea. Okay. I, I was approached by to, to write that by three guys. Um, they were Rich Radden and Ted Hinckley and Ryan Benson. And um, Rich, he never he no longer works in film, but he was the uh, the artistic director of the LA Film Festival when we met. Okay. And he had worked for John Hughes in Chicago. He's oh, from wow. Chicago. Yeah, yeah. And as I understand it, now this is all secondhand, so I wasn't there. So, but I understand they were like on a camping trip. They're they're three. They're three good friends. Three good friends, and they were talking about John Hughes movies, and they thought they were just talking about how great those worked, how well those worked. You know how you know you just related to them and you cared, and they were funny and all of the things that we like about John Hughes movies. And they and they were thinking, how could you do a Mormon John Hughes movie? What would you you know what would that be? And there, and it was their idea. How about uh, a Mormon pioneer track? So, and when Rich pitched it to me, the idea was we want to do meatballs on a on a, port, on a pioneer track. Now, you, I don't know if you guys know meatballs. <laughs> oh, it's I old love, Bill Murray love, movie. Love. It's probably yeah, you're too yeah. young, but uh, you need to you need. Yes, you, know, you can. That is a one. really have been alive. <laughs> that's a, you probably weren't, but that's a really good film. You know, that's yes. a film that they should use in screenwriting classes because it's really tight. Agree. It's really good. Did Ramis write that one? I was think there, he did. I don't know, but I think he did. I want to say because I, I always direct it. I can't remember. To IMDb we go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always I, if it's a Harold Ramis film, my dad had me hooked on Harold Ramis. Yeah. From, as a kid. Yeah. And so yeah. I've always yeah. The more and more it went down with stripes and with right. Yeah, meatballs. Right. Like yeah, I always went down those. So you, you can borrow that, Austin. Yeah. Okay. Help. I can borrow your meatballs. <laughs> you can borrow my meatballs. <laughs> okay. Perfect. <laughs> So anyway, that was their idea to write this, 
and I was really busy. I was like right in the, the like the, the height of my busyness working in L.A. in the Hollywood. You know, I was pitching a lot and, you know, writing pilots and stuff. And so I said, yeah, I'd like to do this, but I, I don't have time to do this, you know, on my own right now. And uh, so I, I, I talked to Rich, and he, he, Rich was my friend. I, he's the one that I knew, and we. Um, he, I, I said, you know, I have this friend, John Enos, who's really pretty talented, who'd written some things. And, and I said, how would you feel if we wrote it together? And so that's how it happened. We carted it out, and then, and then John did a, a draft, and then I took that draft and tweaked it. And that's pretty much what it, what it is. So it's really a collaborative film. Did, did anything change from when Arthur uh, approved it? You know, okay, I have to say... Uh, Excel, Deseret Book, they treated us very, very respectfully, you know. Uh, and Arthur was a champion. There were a few things, you'll, you'll miss them when you see it, because they probably changed it since you've seen the, the last oh, screen. Yeah? yeah, there's just a couple of words here. And what's interesting to me, I, I know exactly why they did it, because they know their market. They know who they're selling to. Oh, I to. know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. You know, and there's just a, there, there's one scene. A couple plays and a couple they, uh, Yeah, yeah, there's one... There was a leather line that that I tr thought to 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 get in, and they said no. Women in leather is a porn reference, and I, I want to say it's not. It's not. Have you ever heard of bikers? You know, <laughs> but that that went, and then there were a couple of hells that went, and it wasn't. What, did, did my you, hell? No, yours is still in. Oh now, see, yes. This is, this, <laughs> this I saw her in a Mormon movie. So what? So <laughs> what, what, what? Let's see. The thing, is, and this is what's cool about them. What they and and you know they did audience testing of it. Yeah. And, and a I, lot I of it was response to that. Yeah. And um, they had no trouble with you saying hell. Yeah, because that's the, you. The, the last one. I you know. know exactly it was the one where the the priesthood leader says hell, get the hell out of here to these kids. That they went. You know you. There, there, there's just a, a section of their audience that that just they're offended by that, and and they and it wasn't that they had a problem with it. It was just they went, our audience, this is this our audience, audience will not like this, and and this will be a sales issue, you know, frankly. So it was like, you hmm. know what? And Alan and I, the the other director, well, he was the director, I was the co-director, but Alan and I went back and forth, and it was like, is this a battle that we that's worth fighting? We just went, no, let him have it, let him have it, because they let us have ninety nine percent of what we were doing. Yeah, and um, and I I'm really proud of the of the tone of the film, and and just the like you guys have alluded yeah. to, there's we we really tried to make it honest, and um, they loved that. That's that's why Arthur really wanted it. wanted to do it. Yeah. Because there was that that honesty there. Did so. the the, did the uh, mother trekkers? Keep... I think that's still in. Yes, <laughs> I told Arthur. I was like, do not cut mother trekkers. I swear, Arthur. Well, okay. Here's others, the thing. They like... probably I don't know if they're gonna like this hearing this, but you know that was their idea. Yeah, we I were remember. we were Arthur was there that day. We yeah. were we were in we were well we were in a development meeting and there was a, a uh, you know a PR guy who said you got to put mother trekkers in here and I went. Are you kidding? I said, okay, you got it's your film, you know. So, <laughs> so we put it in, and they said, okay, we got to take. I think that was in it twice, and one's in and one's out. Okay, so yeah, gotcha. Because um, yeah. it, it really is funny, and like I don't know. I guess it, I totally understand that. It's, oh yeah, it's yeah. the audience, yeah. and you you do have to, you know, respect that. You know, that's why the movie was made was for that audience. So it would be 
weird to be like, all right, we made the movie for this group, and now we're going and to... And they're like, going to insult them, yeah, so exactly. they won't come to it. You know, that's <laughs> um, not a good idea. But at the same time, uh, I remember there was one thing we talked about at the, the screening, the first one that I went to, which was just a, a select few people. It wasn't very many, but uh, just the fact that, you know, that's how... Regardless if you're Mormon or not, like... I know some some Mormon kids who I mean they'd be swearing left and right. Oh yeah, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Way worse mouths than Mother Trekkers, but I learned how to censor myself because of scout camps and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, scout camps. Oh man, you get in the tent, tells stories, and but um, uh, yeah, I um, what was I saying? Yeah, just about the, but it, it does come full circle back to like. Who is this for? Who's going to be buying tickets? Yeah. Is it going to be yeah. the kids buying tickets? Because they won't care. Like, right. No, right. I don't. Even, if they're the most devout Mormon kid around, like they, they're not really going. But to But the care. thing is, see, here's the thing: if they're and what's so what's the irony of it is, you know, they'll go to any any other movie at the multiplex is going to have way worse stuff in it. Oh, for yeah. sure. And they'll just like won't even pay attention to it. You know, they'll go. Yeah. But the thing is, though, is is a youth group going to go to it? Right, right, maybe, right. maybe not. Let's yeah, not give them a reason not to take their kids. Good so point. That, that's their that's their thing, and I have to respect that. That's it, just smart. I, I agree. I, I personally think it's going to be adults buying the tickets mm-hmm. for the kids first. Yeah, yeah. I think eventually it could it can become more than that, but uh, off the bat, it's going to be youth groups. It's going to be stuff like that. So yeah, it, it, it's it's funny though that they wouldn't want want a priesthood leader to say hell because, I mean, Austin and I both grew up Mormon while we aren't any longer. So we, I mean, that's how we were raised. We've been in the Sunday school classes and stuff. And I will never forget my dad, who is now a member of a bishopric. And he might, if he actually ever listened to this show, which I don't think he does. So he, <laughs> he, he would probably cringe at me telling this, but he has to own up to it. But I'll never forget because he was my, my Sunday school teacher at one point. And he came into the room and this kid was just like, oh, this is crap. This is crap. And my dad, without missing a beat, just goes, why don't you just say shit? He said, because shit and crap are the same thing. It just defines which animal it came from. And every kid in the room just sat there, just like, shocked. And my dad just kept going about like setting up for his lesson. And what didn't even blink an eye, just dropped that in there and went on his way. And my dad's never so been one to, <laughs> he's never been one to shy away. Like if, if he's making a point or even a joke, he'll, he'll, he'll let it slip out there. And then just goes on. <laughs> so yeah, like, that's, that's I, 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 I think it would still would have been genuine to allow that in there, but yeah, yeah. it's their movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whoever's putting the, the dollars in, that's yeah. it's belongs yeah. to them. Yeah, they get the, they get the say. We're just <laughs> we're just pawns. But and you know, let, let me repeat, they were so respectful for yeah. what we yeah, wanted totally. to do. Yeah, totally. You know, Arthur, you know, he he was just from the beginning. They, yeah, they, absolutely. They understood that the heart in it and the the nuance that stood out. From, yeah, from other yeah. scripts, they could have. He totally got it. Yeah, you that's, know. that's awesome. Arthur's cool. Arthur's a cool guy. Yeah, he is. So, so when it comes to writing something like Trek, where the credit that probably a lot of people know you from is Galaxy Quest, how how do you make something like Galaxy Quest and then kind of shift to something as Trek? Where I mean, they seem quite quite polar opposites. Of you know, each other. okay. On one sense, it's just it's all writing. You right. Know, you want it to be honest. You want. If there's comedy, you want the comedy to come out of the characters. Um, it, it, you know, it's not that different. It's just it, you're writing in a different, um, a different circumstance, like from any piece. You know, uh, the 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 thing that I would add, the th- the thing that might be valuable, especially to young people who are going to write, is is 
my advice for anyone who wants to, to, to be a writer is you need to write piece, smaller pieces that can, that can happen, whether that's things that you're going to put online or things like Trek. Yeah. For me, for, for me, Trek was a thing like, okay, this is what I wanted to be honest when I wrote it's like, okay, this sounds great. While I, you know, write the next pilot that I want to have a C CBS by, you know, this is a great thing to be doing because this can really can really happen. And, and when you, when you're talking, um, you know, trying to sell things to, um, you know, studios and, and television, you know, networks and things, they're, they're few and far between. And unless you're one of that, that like 20 people that do everything, it's hard to make sales. It's hard to, mm -hmm. to get anything to happen. So you can spend your whole life like swinging for the fences. Writing your masterpiece. Exactly. That never gets made. That may never happen. But at the same, and you should do that. Because that's how you get there. Right. I, I, I had I talked to one studio exec, and he said there was this little feature that, that I gave to him. It was called Three Kisses. It was about a, a guy who he, he gives a he, he sees this woman broken down on the on the side of the road, and he's this nice family guy, and he he, he pulls over to help her out, and uh, you know he gives her a ride and finds out that she's this call girl, and she and so they have this conversation. And it gets a little bit confrontational. She said, "You probably don't approve of what I do." And he says, "Well, it's none of my business, you know." He's and he, but he can't help himself. He says, "You know, I just think that I think you know, I think sex should be intimate. I think it should mean something." And and um, and she's, you know, she's the other side of it. She's saying, "Why can't it just be in the moment? Why can't it just be what it is?" And as he drops her off, she like he he says, she says, "Thanks for the ride." He goes, "Sure." And then she just kisses him. And um, you see this connection happen, and you're seeing that he's getting what she's talking about, and she's getting what he's talking mm -hmm. about, and it's how it is how that like completely changes both their lives, and it's this interesting. Okay, that's me. Let me pat myself on the back. It's this interesting <laughs> story about how these people come from like really op very different perspectives, and how them being together changes their relationship so anyway i we took that out to to some people not it, we didn't go wide because it wasn't, wasn't that kind of a story but um i remember speaking to a, a studio exec who i don't even remember who it was at the, at the, anymore but he said he said you know this is like a lot of screenplays that i get where i'll read it and i'll go the writing is really good i like this but i can't take this to a studio because they're going to want something that that's going to be a tentpole they want something that they can spend a hundred million dollars on, and honestly, when I wrote my script, Captain Starshine, which became Galaxy Quest, I was working as a secretary. I was working in a cubicle, and I was thinking, this is going to cost a fortune to make. But I just thought, you know what? This idea, I don't care. I'm not going to let that censor me. I'm going to tell the story that I think that this needs to be, and that that was a studio project. You know, that's not something that some independent filmmaker was going mm -hmm. to be able to make but but so you need to swing for the fences you need to write big things that you know that that the studios might be interested in but you also need to write things hone your craft and do things that can happen because that's where you yeah. you get to see you get to be on the set you get to learn how to direct you get to work with actors you you know so so do both do it do everything that you can that's my advice yeah no, and I, but let me add one other thing I, I haven't worked really in 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 la much for a long long time so most a lot of what i'm saying is really dated you know i don't i don't know <laughs> you know i don't i don't know how to write a marvel movie i you know, you know no one's ever asked me to you know i mean 
just watch just one of them. You said it, I did. They're, they're pretty good. I, I love the Marvel here. movies, but I'll, no, be the, I'll be the first to say it. They're about as cookie-cutter as cookie-cutter gets. I mean, it's at the end of Act 1, this has happened already, and by, by the middle of Act 2, we've met this villain. And, I mean, it's already, it's so structured yeah. out that... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. you could you could sit down and just okay, I get the premise and just hammer one out. Yeah. <laughs> Not to take anything away from yeah. James Gunn because yeah. James Gunn does some amazing stuff, but yeah, I mean, they're all they're, very they're entertainment movies. Well, but yeah. yeah, I mean, and 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 they're working. It, you know, it's funny because they're working in another version of of mm-hmm. what I was telling you about Desert Book. You know, they're they have they're trying to please their exactly. audience, yeah, and yeah. then it's all gotta, you know, and that's putting, the real tension is between the, mar- the market, the marketing, and the. You know, and the story you want to tell. And I, I wouldn't say it's outdated advice. I've actually been reading uh, Tom Lennon and Ben Grant's uh, book that they did about understanding the whole process. And they, they wrote the book because they wanted to cut away from everything that you've learned in in uh, film school and whatnot. And just basically, this is our experience selling, making. They've made over a billion dollars in the box office with the movies they've written. And so the the book's called How Starting to, with Herbie. Fully yes, start, <laughs> <laughs> but it's called uh, How to How to oh, What is it? How to make uh, movies for fun and for profit and has fun crossed out and oh, it's just how to make yeah. mon- how to make movies for profit and i mean they they reiterate a lot of what of what you said and i mean that book only came out maybe 10 years ago yeah so and and i mean it's mm-hmm. a lot of that but, so know, it's not completely the... outdated yeah. at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so many so many great filmmakers whether it's writers or directors um it's it's the makers this wouldn't really pertain to actors because uh, actors are just a, a piece of a puzzle they're not really the the person who's they're just the pretty faces (laughs) they're what's on the puzzle but everyone's like "Ooh, that looks fun but really it's the puzzle that is made by someone else um oh now that analogy like threw me off i'm like what was it you're Uh, just like i want to make a puzzle now (laughs) what was i saying oh the, the everyone not everyone but a lot of people have had um like either their first kind of big break or one of their early movies they did because they knew it would sell and they knew it would uh, it's a profit movie, profitable movie, which then would open doors for them to do their creative right. stuff. Christopher right. Nolan did Batman so that he could do Inception. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's you know Yeah. Uh, but that's a, a much bigger scale, you know. Not everyone's gonna get the chance to direct Batman or something like that. But he he, he wrote Inception before those and he wanted to make that but knew nobody. No, would who's trust gonna him. Get, who's gonna let him do that? Exactly. Yeah. That's way yeah. too too out yeah. there. But they they totally believed in him after yeah, the success yeah, of that. Sure, so. sure. So you, now you said when you were when you were writing Galaxy Quest, you were just a, a secretary in a cubicle. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, where, where did the story for Galaxy Quest come from? Um, well, I was at the at the time I got the idea. I was writing a play. Uh, it was called The Fast. It was about a guy who stops eating, and it kind of he becomes this weird religious figure. People like start laying all these interpret he just says i can't be a part of it he just doesn't want to be in the food chain he finds it like just too too disturbing so he stops eating and people start layering all these you know meanings on top of it and he's just he's like this weird figure who starts getting this um following and he doesn't he's just not not going to eat it's just very straightforward for him so anyway there's a scene in it that that happens in africa and i thought um God, you know, to do this right, I really need to go to Africa. But of course, I didn't have the money to go to Africa, so I went to an IMAX film about Africa, and that was playing down at the uh, the, the IMAX uh, film features down at USC. Okay. So I go down there, and I'm uh, sitting in the theater, 
And this trailer comes on for a feature named uh, Americans in Space. And I'm sitting there and they have this amazing uh, shot of the earth spinning. You know, it's like 70 millimeter of the earth spinning, the whole earth. You can see it. Oh, there's my phone. Sorry. <laughs> You're good. Um, Are you sure it's that's your funny. phone? No, that's or my, is that's, it? That's my, that's <laughs> That's my, like, it's too this, late. This is the end for you too. <laughs> Great interview. <laughs> so, um, oh, so anyway, I'm watching the Earth spin, and I hear this voice saying, "Americans in space." And and you know how it is when you're watching TV and you hear a voice in a commercial, and you go, "Who is that?" Yeah, you know, you forget about what it's about, and you're going, "Is that Jeff Jeff Goldblum?" You know, who who is who's the voiceover? Yeah. And then, and then and I something it's driving me crazy. I'm going, "Who is that voice?" And then I realized it was Leonard Nimoy. And, and I just went, of course, Americans in space, who are they going to get? Right. Yeah, and I just thought about, As he is on hey, my there shirt. you go, right there. <laughs> He's the perfect voice. You know, it was like, okay, either we get William Shatner or we get Leonard Nimoy. Who's available? You know, you know who can we afford? And, and, I, and it just struck me that how, and yet no one knows who this is. Right. There are like four people who are going to know that, but they have to have that guy because he's the sci-fi guy. And I just, I just, it started with just how typecast they were, how, how trapped they were in that world. And, um, you know, what, what, how do you get out of that? And, and so I started writing that and, and, and then, and then it was like, he was going to the convention and then the aliens came along and I went, Oh, I have something here. And, and after that, a lot of things just started to fall into place, you know, in terms of events and things. What was the reception when you were pitching Galaxy Quest? I didn't pitch it. I wrote okay. a spec. I wrote a spec. Okay. Yeah, what happened to me happens to like one in 10,000 people. And I wouldn't advise anyone to try to do it <laughs> because it doesn't happen. But it was just, it, it was, um, it, you know, uh, it was a meant to be sort of a thing. You know, I, I, I wrote it and I gave it to a friend. I didn't have an agent. And uh, my my friend's name is uh, Sonar Gregoris, and she um, I she had worked at Beacon Pictures, and um, she had married and had a had a, a baby boy, and so she'd quit. But and so we were having dinner. We were we were my wife and I were friends with her and her husband, and we um, we I said Sona, you know, I have these scripts, um, and I'm not represented. I was wondering if you know you could pass these on and if you could read them. And she said, Oh yeah, sure. She called me back and she said, these are good. She said, would you, how would you feel if I tried to set these up? And so um, this, that was one of them. And she went back to the person who she worked with at Beacon named uh, Suzanne Ellis. And um, they had a policy there at Beacon that, it, you know, if they weren't interested in something, you could, you know, go out and try to set it up yourself. And uh, so they started shopping it around and it went to... And her job was interfacing. Suzanne's job was interfacing with the the agents. So, of course, they want to be nice to her because she's the the gate for them submitting their stuff to them. And um, so, so she went back to this agent at CAA, and um, and he, and he got real excited about it. And he, he and, and about that time, DreamWorks had um, they realized they weren't making any films, and they had. Um, they had uh, agreements with two two producers, um, Robert Zemeckis and Mark Johnson, and they both wanted to do it because they had deals with with DreamWorks and they weren't making anything. So it was like all the the doors were open, and then the weekend that the that um, the agent sent him out, 
uh, Men in Black opened, you know, huge. Mm-hmm. And Monday morning, everybody's going, okay, w- w- what's the next sci-fi comedy? And this guy goes, I got it right here. And, and oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, no, so, so you like should never... stars align. That's right, exactly. The, the, the metaphor that I use is, is, you know, you're playing a pinball game, and, uh, you know, there's that one place, if the ball goes there, you get a free game, you know? But all the gates have to be open for you even to get there, and all the gates were open, and then it just kind of happened to... Be there. I'm sorry, that's my phone again. <laughs> I'm gonna turn that off. Okay. Sorry. Or, or on the flip side, it's that one space where the ball's going down and your little pegs can't hit it, and you're like flipping them all over the place, and you're like, ah, that's on. how I play pinball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you have witnessed. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. It's Star Wars pinball. That was a cool. Pasadena Comic Con. There's this really awesome Star Wars pinball machine. And Tim, and I was terrible. Tim at was it. a kid in the candy store, but yeah, <laughs> didn't have money to buy candy that day. <laughs> so, so as, as the stars aligned and you were able to all of a sudden see your screenplay come to life, I mean, did, did you ever imagine that you would have like Tim Allen and Alan Rickman? No, you know, I mean, it. it let me just say it, it was collaborative. There's another writer who did, who made a lot of changes to it. You know, so. Um, but uh, but uh, the, with the day I went to the set, it was just mind blowing because you know I yeah like this where he is a secretary and you know yeah temping and uh, they they were they were hurrying to get it done so I went to the studio and they had like five sound stages they were using you know they had oh wow all these yeah and they showed me around is like here's the ship and here's where the the thermian tentacles come down and here's the room where the kids are and and um, was that incredible just to be yeah, that was this incredible. was in my imagination yeah it was like i this can't was believe literally it. nothing <laughs> can't more believe. than a thought yeah this and is ideas. now it's a literal manifestation yeah on a soundstage yeah. yeah that's pretty cool yeah it was fun so how, how many days did you get to spend on set with just one is there one generally um what we, i and that's fine that was great um i had a i have a friend who's a producer and he went he went said something that makes that made sense he said you know i don't want some writer messing with my director's head uh, and, that, and that kind of tells you everything about the pecking order in Hollywood. You know, it's all about the director. Yeah, yeah um, it's a director's medium. Yeah, it totally is. And I get that. You would hope that that a director would be secure enough that they, if they had a question, they say, "What did you mean when you did this?" But they, you know, that's just the producers are. They don't want to roll the dice. They've got something. You yeah. know. that's one thing I really liked about uh, having you on track um, as a second yeah. pair of eyes. Because yeah, Alan, the director, he's. Uh, He's more interactive with like camera, everything going on. Out, he, was, he did that. He did a great job. Yeah, with totally. That, with all and that. he was right yeah. there giving direction to the actors and whatnot. And then you were the second eyes at the monitor, um, watching anything from that point, which is which was awesome because there's be things that he couldn't see because he's busy with right. ten million other right. things that right. you could focus on what is being seen seen on this monitor, yeah. which at the end of the day is what's important. Yeah. You know, yeah. Whatever the cameras catch. Well, and I was watching as a writer too. I was, I was right. wa- looking for delivery and, um, you know, there were a lot of times Alan was very respectful You know, he was, he was wonderful to work with. He's, he's very talented. Uh, it was interesting because he would ask me things. What do you think about this? And I would go, Oh, it's this because, you know, when you write it, you know, you, you, you instinctively make these decisions. This is like, like that, that, you know, you know, why do, why do I not, why do I not just walk off? Well, the reason that you don't walk off is because mm-hmm. you care about what she's going to say or, or her line needs to stop you so that you don't walk off. Right. And that is all in the writing. If it's good writing, hopefully, yeah. you know, so there, there shouldn't be 
question in terms of, uh, of you know intentions and and the way the story's told that you, nothing should just happen it should there should be a reason for why everyone does everything in a script yeah yeah so yeah absolutely so when when, it, when you look back at, at the whole process with galaxy quest and the final product what what, what is one thing that that you would have changed and what's one thing that is you're just oh, you, know, you love more than I anything. think I think it's so good I mean I I you know, it's better than what I wrote. You know, it's 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 really funny. Uh, and I and what's what's interesting to me, and we've kind of dissed actors here, so let's rectify that. You know, there are <laughs> yeah, there, awesome. give yeah, us the voice. Yeah. There there are there are things there are choices in that film that are not in the script. You know, they're just like they're just yeah, they're, they're actors. They're just that you so can't think of yeah that you have to yeah and you, and and with. you know actors bring a whole additional dimension. You know, to the um, they make it they make it real. Is there know? has there been times you don't have to say who or what, but where you wrote something you're like, this is good. I know this is good, and then you see an actor just like not not not. Yeah, that, like, sure that oh, happens. Man, yeah, like, that happens. Like that happens. We're not getting better. it. We're not getting it. But on the other side, yeah, sometimes actors grab a hold of what you're doing and they add a whole new thing to it. I've found that it's about fifty fifty. Sometimes you don't get exactly. Sometimes you don't get what you want. And and sometimes you what you sometimes there's a difference between things that you want and things that you need. You know there are things sometimes there are things that have to happen for a piece to work dramatically, but oftentimes there are things that you want to have happen and the, and an actor does it in a different way and just and you go, oh that's fantastic, that's not what it was initially but that works just fine and sometimes it's better, so mm-hmm. so uh, I I really like letting the actors. Especially if you're working with 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 people who are really ta- talented, mm-hmm. I mean, or, or just really you know do the homework, that you get you can get. I mean, they they make these these. Well, hopefully your characters are fleshed out, but they but they bring a whole another level of of reality and 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 comp, uh, you know, complexity and interest to your characters that 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 are not necessarily there in your script. They make yeah. you look really good. <laughs> right, one of those things where they improvise something and everyone remembers that, and you're like, "Yes, I did write that." Uh, I, had, I, I, I remember. Uh, I had this uh, playwriting instructor, and, and he said, uh, "He said, yeah, when someone comes up to you and they said, oh, I really loved how you did this and this and, the, and just what it meant and the th- how it reinforced your themes.'" He says, "Just nod your head. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It was all planned." Mm-hmm. Yep, I did think of that. And, 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 and sometimes... You got it. You got it. <laughs> I'm so glad you noticed. Not everybody gets that. <laughs> and sometimes you can win awards for screenwriting when you didn't even write a script. <laughs> so some, sometimes that happens. <laughs> Take what you can get. <laughs> totally. Yeah, we, we, we actually had that happen with, oh, one of that our, right? with one of our films. Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. about that. Yeah, we, I improvised everything. Yeah, we, we sat down as we, ha- as <laughs> we had to do play. the... And you won a screenplay <laughs> award. Yeah, we, oh, yeah awesome. we, we Austin had drawn out the, the storyboards for it. And we went and we shot it and we kind of had an idea of what was going to be said. And we just sat down like after we had the edit pretty much done and just spitballed. And I would just keep saying, oh, maybe something like this. And so Austin would kind of go with what he had. As an <laughs> maybe, maybe something like this. And then we just pieced it together how it. And then, yeah, we won an award for <laughs> the screenplay. That's awesome. I was like. All right, we'll take it. Yeah, like, we both, <laughs> loved, we both the left that award thing, just being like, "All right, that's hilarious." But <laughs> hey, win's a win. Yeah. 
It, it, what do you think of me now, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I'm an award-winning screenwriter. <laughs> it, it is funny though to to see those characters come to life sometimes when it isn't. You don't know what what you expect, right? And, I mean, the last real project that we worked on together was probably the decision, and it's like, oh yeah, I, I remember writing that and how I expected yours and Andrew's characters to play out, but then when we started filming, I was just like. Oh, this is better than what I had in my brain. Yeah, just wa- just watching how you two just went at it. Yeah, it was it was so, so perfect. I I remember just kind of sitting back even during rehearsal, and just smiling because even though I was directing it, at the same time I was just like, this is just so much more than what I thought this was going to be. Yeah, and it it it, it made it made directing even a whole different experience for me. It's like, you know, this is how it this is how it should feel opposed to. Some of those student films that I had made in yeah. the past that was just like, they tore my soul out of me. <laughs> as an actor, it's really nice. I, I like to be as word perfect as possible because I feel like a, a writer wrote something, maybe this is my theater training, because a writer wrote something for a reason, whether it's a um or an ah uh, or a, you know, there's a comma here, that means there's a, there's that's a change true. in that's tempo true. and cadence. And I think that's important because so many actors are like, yeah, it was it was great. The the writer, you know, we just like were able to come up with some stuff on the spot, and I'm like, well, that's that's cool too. But at the same time, I'm like, if the script is good, you shouldn't have to come up with yeah. stuff on the spot. Yeah. Sometimes maybe you didn't realize something until the day of, but and sometimes you can discover something in the moment. Yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. Bad. that's true. It doesn't have to. But be you're right. But, but you know, you're but, right. When I write, every word is a word that I've chosen. You right. Know? Yeah. You didn't just and if like, you, and then let's just let's there. have a reason before we mm-hmm. start throwing stuff out. Yeah. So before we kind of wrap things up, you mentioned, you know, kind of the process of going through and and selling pilots and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the is the hardest part of the pitch going into studios with a pilot? Uh, Two things. First of all, I I was uh, I was meeting with an entertainment attorney, you know, to see whether we were he was going to represent me. And he he gave me one idea. When, one thought that has been invaluable. He said, you know, when you're deciding what you're going to write or what you're going to pitch, he said, it's worth taking the time to, to come up with your very best idea. Because, I mean, the thing, okay, if you, if you take Galaxy Quest, that's the, the coverage, the, uh, that sold because that was such a gettable high concept, you know? I mean, and everybody got it. You know, in one sentence, and I would tell people, people would say, what are you writing? I'd say this, and they would go, oh, that's great. What, what was your logline yeah, it, 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 Well, the logline, I, di- I didn't pitch it, so I didn't write one. But, oh. but the logline, the description in the coverage was something like um, a, a, a James Kirk-type character, actor, goes to a, a science fiction convention, is approached by aliens who recruit him to, to save their, their, you know, their, their people. And, and you just go, I see it. I got yeah. it. I got the whole thing. And and in the coverage, it said, James Kirk is a, you know, is, is an icon that, you know, 50 billion people are familiar with right there. And 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 so if you come up with the right, con- so before you go to all the trouble to pitching, find something that's irresistible. That's the first thing, you know. Um, and, and, you know, frankly, if you, if your concept is strong enough, they have to work with you to, to get your concept, you know, you become, you, you, you become irreplaceable because it's the idea that's so strong. So that's the first thing I would tell you to do. So what, 
I mean, every screenwriter out there, as they're starting out, feels that their idea is well. Strong. Here's how, what I how tell do you, you get past here's that. Here's what here's what I here's what you do is uh, the other thing I would say is as you as you as you prepare your pitch, you should nail it. You should have every. I mean, you got 15 minutes about to tell your story. You should have it. You should be able to recite it back backwards and forwards, and you should have the whole story laid out. Okay. You, you know, you shouldn't go in there thinking you can wing it. You know, maybe. There are some writers who can do that now, but that's because they have relationships and they're going, okay, I see how you could get to that. You know, I trust you yeah, as a you writer. Don't want, you don't want people questioning, like, whether, okay, whether I guess it's there. I can yeah, see yeah. You, it, want to, you don't want to give them. Like, without a doubt, they get it. They yeah. get it. It has to be totally gettable and totally clear. What I suggest you do is when you have your idea, you should get your pitch perfect and then you should go pitch it to like strangers. Go go go! Pitch it to ten associates. You know, and I mean, maybe if they're maybe if they're friends, they're people who are going to say, you know what, that sucks. You know, people who are going to be honest with you. Don't pitch it to your mother. Mom's going to say, oh, darling, that's like you're, you're so talented. <laughs> you haven't met my well, mom. Okay. Right? <laughs> Tim, you got it. Okay. <laughs> She's now all of a sudden has a. Beard. Well, you know, it does. It doesn't hurt to pitch it to someone who's going to because that's the you have to realize that when you're pitching to production companies, their job is to say no. Yeah. You know, they could because they're, they're gonna every say no time, way more than they're gonna well, say there's this. that's their job. Their yeah. job is 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 to cull away everything that has any kind of. And when I went to pitch, I could see they're looking for the, a reason that why they shouldn't do this. Because, you know, when when a, when a, a studio exec, when they when they green light something, their job is on the line. Mm hmm. You know, yeah, it's about survival for every executive. It totally is. <laughs> you, you know, a, a, like a studio head has got like three big misses and then they're they're done they're done <laughs> they're done so everything they make they have to be able to go back and say this idea is golden or they got to feel that you know so so what so to get back to your your, your question, job is to keep them employed <laughs> it, really yeah yeah um you should pitch it to 10 people that you don't know and that's this case, same if you're gonna write a spec you know same thing give it to 10 people whom you whom you trust who will tell you tell you honestly what they think of it and you know, if you're going to get some wackos, you're going to say, I think this person should be a woman. You know, it's like, what? Did you read it? You know, or I think this should have a talking horse in it. You know, some stupid Sold. crazy thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> talking horse. Mr. Um, Ed, yes. Yeah, exactly. But, but you know, like if, if, if seven of the ten people who read it say, I think your second act is weak. I don't, well, I don't see why he's doing going to do that. Then you should listen to that. Yeah, yeah. Go back, look for look for trends consistent. because if a lot of people don't like it, there's probably something that needs to be fixed. Okay. So good. To, I, I know Austin and I have done have done little table reads by ourselves with like one of our friends in the room sometimes with a few of them. Like uh, with one, we recently wrote a horror short, and we were like, "No, we like where this is at." And then when we read it out loud, we're like. First half of this sucks. It just kind of happens. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Crap. But at the, at the same token, let, let's talk about the other side of that. If you have something that you're super passionate about, you have to. The only thing you have are your instincts. So you, if if you believe it's, you know, you may be the next big thing, you know, and it, it may take time for someone to get that. But if you, in your heart of hearts, go, no, this is the way it should be, and this is why, you stick with your gut because that's. That you can't. If you try to please other people, then it's, it's wishy -wishy. people can see it. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. transparently. You know, eventually derivative. it may not be right then in the moment. Uh, but say you get into filming or editing, and you start to realize, 
I should have stayed with my yeah. original yeah, gut should've. instinct. Yeah. I, I uh, compensated for the the worse and uh, just to please yeah. other people. Yeah. And uh, it, it's detrimental. Yeah. I, yeah. I've even had to learn that with some of my satire. There was one one article that I did for Robot about it, and I had sent it into them. They're like, "Hey, it's great! Like, it's it's publishing tomorrow," and they sent me a draft. And I immediately was like, no, you have to change that, the final paragraph back to what I had. You're cutting out literally the entire joke. Yeah. And when I, I, had, to, I had to explain it to them because, yeah, it seemed weird, but if, if people didn't get it, they wouldn't have gotten the entire article as it is. Is that the Gremlins one? Yeah, it was the Gremlins one. Oh, that one's fun. So where it was, it, the, the title of it is White House Staffers Warned. Uh, not to feed Trump or get him wet after midnight. <laughs> so and the, and the, the entire so the entire last paragraph is literally the last lines of the movie from Gremlins, but I I just replaced certain words so that it rather fit. than Gremlins it uh, said Trump, Trump. Yeah, rather yeah. than the town it's White House yeah, like, yeah. So it's kind of like the temple. yeah but they've cut that out and made like some type of food joke into it instead and I was like no no you're missing the whole. The whole point. The reference, like, yeah. Yeah, I, I do explain, like, no, this is literally, like, the last lines from Gremlins. Yeah. Like, you have to keep that in there. And sometimes, like, I, I've had to learn to, like, no, I, I have to speak my yeah. mind. If I, I can't just let it just be, like, this is how our edit's going to be. Yeah. So yeah. I, I've had to I've had to stay on my ground a few times yeah. on those. Yeah. So I, I really appreciate yeah. you taking the time to yeah, come down. Thanks for coming over, David. Oh, my pleasure. So, now, you, you guys have already screened Trek for an audience at this point. Oh, yeah, you? yeah. We had, uh, we, we had, uh, like kind of um what are they called like there's a pre-screening yeah there's there's they're going on this week yeah 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 um there's one in in ogden alan sent me a a little little shot of uh the audience there they get a turnout in ogden they did they did and i had a friend who lived in orem who lives in in the orem area and he tried to go and it was sold out so oh that's awesome awesome. well it was free so it's not yeah yeah yeah. Um, but uh but they're they seem and uh, and free is orem's favorite four letter yeah so you know we're hopeful we I, i went up for the the lds film festival Okay. Yeah, Alan um, said great feedback at that. We did. We did. Well, the 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 best part was being in the audience and hearing the audience respond to it. And they they were really with us. Now, that's an interesting audience cuz I don't know who goes to that quite, you know, it's filmmakers and LDS filmmakers and you know, it's 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 that's not a that's a weird interesting unique demographic, you know, but they they really enjoyed it, and they really got the the cultural joke. They had fun with it, mm-hmm. which was which was cool. I, I don't think anyone was offended by, because we tried to make it you know loving and respectful and not right. You know, and there's there's nothing really cutting in it. So, yeah. so excellent. So and and it hits theaters the first week of April. So yeah, the sixth. The sixth it yeah. Opens. Are you going to really? go? Are you going to the premiere? Yeah, I'm going to the premiere. Oh, cool. Yeah, okay. you're, you're going to. I right? am. Yeah. Cool. cool. Bring, we'll bring be my there. Family, yeah. <laughs> um, hopefully, I think. From what I understand, if we have a great opening weekend, then they're going to try to push to get it outside of Utah, or are they already yeah, trying to get it outside of the not, beginning? You know, I'm not sure. You probably know as much as I do about that. Yeah. But I know I know if they if we open well, then they'll go, you know, into... To really, I think it totally can get outside of Utah. Like, it, it's they're, they're trying to own it and win that market and be a success there, and I, I think it will. It, but I think it can definitely play some select cities outside yeah yeah for sure i mean like, well you know half of arizona's yeah like arizona vegas idaho even. Vegas yeah has vegas a big LDS yeah population. yeah uh, orange you know. county there's some areas washington yeah. 
Right. Yeah. I think it so can. I think you can get outside. So, so Utah needs to get out and see it, and then it, and then it can. Right. It can yeah. start moving yeah, around. Be, totally other, it's totally little. Utah, um, go check it out. April sixth, for sure. See it that opening weekend. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that would go be. See, that go would see be. it then. So awesome. So well, thank There's you. There's some really and, fine work in it. You know, yeah. the cinematography is amazing. We West haven't even awesome. talked about that, but yeah, it. it uh, I mean, in that regard, even watching the trailer, it didn't seem like your typical Mormon movie to me. So when I, when I saw just how the trailer was shot, that was one of the first things that immediately, it's like, this is different. Yep. I can tell right off the mm. bat that this is different. That's, so, that's a good thing, I think. Yeah, that, <laughs> that that's one thing. Like I said, this isn't, it's not my type of movie I would normally go see, but I was intrigued immediately. But, you know, with your culture, with, you might really like it just I, I, the, I'm the expecting cultural I'm going to like it, yeah. so. Uh, well, also, I'll add real quick before we finally like wrap up the wrap up of the wrap up. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't it wouldn't be this podcast if we didn't wrap up four or five different times. <laughs> uh, just that this, yeah, coming from someone who, who's not LDS, like this movie isn't like so cliched into not cliched. That's not the right word, but like uh, like culturally rude. Yeah, it's like you know yeah. if you're not LDS, you can still enjoy this movie. There's a couple jokes. Yeah, you'll that are get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The heart of the story is has nothing to do with Mormonism. you know the it's, the it has uh, to do with human you know dealing with grief and you know very yeah, basic yeah. universal things. It's Our, a story uh, that Mormonism just is an aspect. Of it. It, yeah, right, yeah. Exactly. It's like it's like that's the the palette that we use. The uh, script supervisor, she she was an LDS, and we were. You know, we were looking at the same monitor the whole time, and she says, "I don't know why people. We, this couldn't be a crossover." I mean, I get it. I totally get it. The three Nephites. Well, I, I don't know who they are, but they're like saints or something. I mean, it all exactly. it all you transfers. Don't need to know, you know, like the doctrinal. No, there's it's really not, not about even that. anything in there. No, it's not that niche. So, no. anyways, check it out, April sixth. It's yeah. gonna be awesome. And if you haven't seen Galaxy Quest yet, shame on you. You should watch that <laughs> as well. So my my, bro- my brother and I still randomly will just look at each other and just be like, "Oh, how saved us!" <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of our random references and seeing seeing Rain Wilson in there and like one of his very first roles ever still cracks me up yeah. to this <laughs> to this day. So, but yeah, I appreciate you stopping by and, my and, I, and I do have to correct us on one thing because we brought up meatballs and I, and I did pull it up. Harold Ramis was one of the writers, okay, and it was directed by Ivan Reitman. Okay, okay. So. Okay. Who I met this last year, and it kind of blew my mind. Met him at San Diego Comic Con. Oh, right. Yeah. I was wow. just like, Ghostbusters, Meatballs. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah he's, he's the man. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, but thank you yeah, again, thanks, David. David. My pleasure. Glad I could join you.